or good evening, and welcome to another HRO Today educational podcast. I'm Elliot Clark, the CEO of HRO Today. We publish HRO Today magazine, HRO Today EMEA magazine, and HRO Today APAC magazine, as well as host the HRO Today forums held around the world and we're the managers of the HRO Today Association. We've talked a lot recently about the quote-unquote great resignation, which is employees deciding in the post-pandemic world to change jobs. And we saw a pretty significant bolus, ripple, whatever you want to call it, through the marketplace as employees have changed jobs. But there's been a second ripple taking place, and that is the concept of boomerang employees. Recently, Corn Ferry, one of the leading providers of workforce services, RPO, consulting, retention consulting, employee engagement service, you name it. Corn Ferry is one of the biggest providers, but recently their talent acquisition group published a trends report where they listed boomerang employees as one of the coming trends in 2023. So we have two great guests with us here today. I should mention Corn Ferry is not only an RPO provider, they are ranked number one on the HRO today, Baker's Dozen for RPO in 2022. So congratulations to the Corn Ferry team. Joining us today, we have David Barr. Dave is the leader of sales and marketing for their Sydney office. He has spent a career in RPO. Prior to joining Corn Ferry, he spent 22 years working for a global recruitment consultancy where he co-founded their RPO business in APAC. He has established business operations in 14 countries in APAC, led many successful enterprise RPO sales pursuits across a multitude of different sectors. So David's going to give us the perspective, if you will, from that side of the globe. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Elliot. Good morning. Thank you very much for having us and thanks to everyone at HRO. We're joined by Dave's colleague, Kathleen Beadle. Kathleen is Vice President in Global Client Services for Corn Ferry's RPO practice. She's based here in the United States, and she is responsible for leading overall operations and client management for global accounts in over 20 countries across four regions. She's got more than 20 years' experience in recruiting. She's led global teams for RPO partnerships, corporate talent acquisition roles. She also worked in the pharmaceutical industry, and she is here in Philadelphia, and I'm sure She's also a Philadelphia Eagles fan like me, so I already like her. Kathleen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Elliot. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So I mentioned these boomerang employees. It's in your trends report. I want to give the audience a little bit of data. So we've heard a lot about this great resignation, and we've also seen the occurrence of what some people have termed, I think it's in your report, the great regret that employees are leaving jobs and returning them more quickly than ever before. But it's not entirely new, and I think this is important. If you look at LinkedIn data, in 2010, companies said 2% of hires were returning or boomerang employees. In 2019, that rose to 3.9% just before the pandemic. Now, post-pandemic, it's gone up to 4.5%. That's a quantum shift. Now, clearly, some companies have concerns about trusting returning employees, though they have skills acquired during prior tenures. What's driving the boomerang hiring growth, and should this change the way companies view retention strategies as you not only want to keep them, but you want to get them back if possible? So, Dave, since the term boomerang is entirely Australian, let's start off with your perspective. Tell us about what's driving this boomerang hiring trend. 
Thanks, Elliot. Yeah, very fitting considering I'm sat here down in Sydney. The first thing I'd say, I think you're absolutely right, the phenomenon of boomerang or alumni hiring isn't new, but as the data suggests, it's certainly far more prevalent in this post-COVID period. And I think this post-COVID regret and people, this great regret after the great resignation is a really key and interesting topic to explore. And I'd say probably there are three things based on the work we're doing that we think are driving it. The first would be, I think, human nature. I think a lot of people who spent the COVID years gainfully employed almost felt stuck. And I think there is a bit of, yeah, the grass is always greener. So going out and looking for other opportunities was probably something that was driven by the stagnant work market during COVID. I think it's fair to say what we call out here, almost like a hiring tsunami. So as soon as the markets opened up again, people had choice. But I think on the flip side of that, a lot of companies potentially got complacent around how objective they were with their hiring practices. So I think it really kind of fueled this piece around the great resignation, people moving and having jobs and, and opportunities. And then I think the last piece, and again, I think it's a conundrum the world over, and you, know, you only have to look at Elon Musk, what's happening at Twitter, this whole work from home, work from anywhere conundrum. I think there's no doubting that human connections are a large part of why people join companies. And obviously what we're seeing is people in their droves returning back to what they know. So there's no doubt that that third phenomenon is definitely something that is driving this boomerang phenomenon in the numbers up. I think if companies need to look at what they're doing differently, and again, I don't think this is a new concept. I think the way in which people manage exit and offboarding practices have always been a topic that we've explored with our clients the world over. I think now the data is clear to see that there is a rich channel of talent that could come back to your firm if you manage that in the right way. So I think there's a lot of investment around how companies can understand why people leave, what could have you done to keep them, and almost more importantly at the moment, what do you need to do in the future for them to return? So, yeah, hopefully I've, I've, I've sort of covered both sides of, of the question there, Elliot. Yeah, let me just go to Kathleen and get your perspective. You're in a little bit of a different region. A lot of your clients are in the U.S. and in EMEA. Are you seeing the same kind of drivers that Dave is seeing in APAC? And is it the same issues that are leading you know, employees to leave and come back? Are you seeing the same sort of factors causing it in the North American and EMEA markets? We have, absolutely. I think there are a lot of similarities across all regions and globally. The one thing that I might add is that what we saw, particularly in the labor market in the last 12 to 18 months, is people really being lured away by the promises of higher pay, higher salaries, bigger titles, and Dave, as you mentioned, remote work, which had become really attractive to people. And in addition to that, when you couple it with the lack of interaction that they they had had in the office every day, they become disconnected from their employers and get lured away and then realize very quickly that the grass is not always greener. So I think we have similarities in most of our regions. And you can see that just in the metrics that you cited when we first started. You know, it is interesting, Kathleen, you make a point about the loyalty in an HR Today study that we released called the Top Concerns of Chief HR Officers or HRDs. It was a global study. What we found is that last year, 48% said remote work was damaging employee loyalty. That jumped up to 67%. So employees may like remote work, but executives don't. Employees may be lured away by remote work elsewhere or by, you know, more money, but certainly they're willing to come back. 
And if you believe the LinkedIn numbers at 4.5%, that's one out of 20 that are coming back. So given all the channels from which you draw candidates, that's a pretty significant channel. So if the drivers are pretty much the same globally, and it sounds like you both agree that they are, let's talk about what to do about it. It's a vibrant channel for talent acquisition going back to alumni. Why do so few companies have programs for boomerang hiring? And what are the best practices Corn Ferry or your clients are using for establishing and operating those programs? So let me go to Kathleen. Let me continue on with you. Obviously, you guys think it's a big trend. It's one out of seven that you identify in the report. What are you recommending to clients about building a boomerang program? I think it's just that, building it as a program. And so having a very concerted effort of the roles that obviously that you're filling, but then also you can sort of bucket the boomerang or the former employees, the alumni in the high potentials, right? So we always have regrettable losses of people who left and we wish we could bring them back. And then also for some key roles where there's either volume hiring or niche hiring that is really important. So building that program, as you said, as a source of hire and creating what I would typically do for clients is creating a project team because the messaging is very different when you're recruiting alumni versus recruiting someone who has never worked for your company. So building that program, being very targeted about the roles that you'd like to fill with your alumni and building the recruiting campaigns that go along with it. Dave, why don't we get your perspective? Are there any differences or nuances that you're seeing in the geographies that you serve, or are you pretty much seeing the same thing across the globe? I'll probably echo a lot of what Kathleen said there, but I'll probably labor the point around the human element here. I think we're definitely getting more sophisticated in working with customers around harmonizing digital and human interventions around alumni and boomerang, but really at the nub of why people return is that personal endorsement of an organization. And I don't think we can ever forget that. So it's not just, as I said, keeping in touch with people, following their resignation or leaving the organization. It's about using that as a community to build not only people to return, but also build other communities who can be other rich source of candidates. And a lot of that comes from that personal endorsement of having worked for your firm or your company. And it's getting that balance right to Kathleen's point, being targeted, being very, you know, as much as you can personal and unique about the interactions you have rather than it being broad brush, et cetera. But yeah, companies are definitely waking up and we're certainly seeing in Asia people, you know, waking up to the fact that there is a missed opportunity to try and utilize that, especially in sectors that have been really hit during COVID. And we've had this big phenomenon here of kind of workforce reshaping where certain segments of the economy got wiped out in COVID and people have gone and found gainful employment elsewhere, they're the ones we're seeing organizations in hospitality, healthcare, aviation, really working hard to try and you know attract these ex-employees or alumni back to their organizations. But it's getting that balance right between the digital means you use to do it, but also creating community so people can connect with each other. I'm going to throw a hand yeah. grenade into the two of you right now. All right. So here's the question. We know that organizations like the big four accounting consulting firms have these very vibrant alumni programs for both marketing to alumni as potential buyers, as well as luring them back. You can be sending out emails to your alumni. You communicate with them, treat it like a CRM kind of relationship. But what do you do about people that are disqualified from rehire? Where either the way they left or you have a manager who may have a bit of a bias about, you know, well, that person left me. I don't want them back. 
what are you doing with your clients to help navigate some of those more sensitive issues around defectors who are trying to come back to the motherland? Kathleen, have you encountered that problem at all? Absolutely. Yes. And a key to building the program is bolting it on to the employee referral program as well, because you can tap into your existing employee base for those former coworkers who they worked with, who we know will be endorsed. And the HR systems are not always accurate. So someone may show as a regrettable loss. And then as you sort of work through their candidacy, you may hear feedback otherwise. So the key is to really build that internal network as well with your employees to touch base with some of the alumni of the organization who may not be happy in their new role that they recently left the company to take. So leveraging your employees is a good way to do it as well. By the way, every company I've ever left, I've been listening to the system is thank God he's gone. Dave, are you seeing the same issue? Are there specific practices you recommend to employees about how to get those, Kathleen's term, regrettable hires, those thrilled to be gone hires out of the pipeline when you're communicating with former employees? I think it's process and yeah, kind of data integrity and being yeah, very, very diligent about tracking the information on exit interviews and, and offboarding and making sure that that's not done in a, you know, because too often we see it where it's an afterthought. It's not really a process. It's literally a ticking box exercise. And I think you then, you know, increase the probability of having, as you say, landmines, hand grenades, whatever they might be, bringing people into a discussion, which unfortunately is probably not going to go anywhere. So I think it really is down to, you know, as I said, discipline and operational governance to make sure that your efforts and investments are focused on you know, pools of talent that you do want to attract back. And as every company has, there are people who you wouldn't want to attract back. But I think there's no silver bullet. It just comes down to that governance and discipline. And yeah, yes, there are systems that are there to prevent it. But as we all know, it's only about as good as the people who are working in those systems. So I think it's really a governance issue. Some really good feedback, good comments for people who want to get the Talent Trends Report for 2023. Visit cornferry.com. It's a very, very interesting report. They identify seven trends. This is just one of them. We'll have some upcoming podcasts to talk about the others. And just for our audience, think about what you've heard from Dave and Kathleen. If you look at LinkedIn numbers, 4.5% is one out of 22 hires coming from former employees, that is significant and something that you may want to factor into your planning. And if you're not getting 4.5%, then you're subpar. So you want to improve those processes and certainly I'm sure either of these folks would be happy to help you depending on where you are. I want to thank David Barr, who's the Vice President of RPO for Corn Ferry and he leads the RPO group in APAC. And Kathleen Beadle, who's the VP of Client Services services for Corn Ferry here in North America. Dave and Kathleen, thanks so much for being part of the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Elliot. Thanks for having us. Excellent. So folks, think about Boomerang employees and how you're going to manage it. And we appreciate your time and attention. And we look forward to you joining us on our next HRO Today educational podcast. 